0: Hello, my romance friends. This is Confessions of a Closet Romantic, a podcast where I go on and on about my favorite romantic TV shows, movies, and books without embarrassment or shame, mostly. This is Poppy, and in this episode, What I'm Learning from Romance Part 2, The People We Choose. my favorite characters on Twitter is Fran, who writes really hilarious romance-related tweets, often based on sort of 19th or 18th or 17th century paintings. (laughs) A recent one said, gorgeous, gorgeous girls read romance novels as if they were self-help books and call it therapy. Yep. And gorgeous, gorgeous people. We weren't all fortunate enough to be born into a family with consistent love and support or raised by well-adjusted parents or guardians. I'm sure many of us have blood relatives who let us down regularly. Many families of origin don't resemble the families presented to us in the media, especially during the recent holiday season. If you weren't able to count on love and support from those who were supposed to provide it to you when you needed it most, you are not alone. And if there was neglect or trauma in your upbringing like there was in mine, my heart is with you right now. Luckily, we can choose our family once we grow up. We can surround ourselves with people who value us, who see us for who we are, and accept and love us no matter what. The people we choose as family are hopefully people we feel safe and open with. If they truly love us, they have our best interests at heart. And this is where romance comes in. If you haven't had this kind of love modeled for you in real life, reading romances that feature groups that act that way as found family, found good family, can be so healing. The dynamics of these fictional groups model healthy, considerate, supportive behavior, which should have always been present in our families of origin. These fictional characters disagree with each other, but with respect and love. They don't give up on each other when things get difficult. They want the best for each other and actively choose to love each other. All of that just makes me feel so good saying it out loud. My favorite site, TVTropes.org, calls this the family of choice trope when you see it in movies and books. Members of a chosen family mourn the lack of family in their lives and decide to build one of their own out of people they care for and who care for them in turn. As in real life... This is most common when something has happened to these characters to isolate them from blood relatives. Perhaps they have no family to return to. They might just have a bad home life in general and decided to leave. Maybe they were, for whatever reason or reasons, disowned or rejected by their family members. So they build their own families in these stories with people they choose to care about. There are lots of subgenres of the family of choice trope. Stories set in small towns or on a farm, stories about the military, a firehouse with a team of firefighters, detectives, rock bands, sex or kink clubs, stories set on campus or the corporate work environment. One of my favorite subgenres is rock star romance because when it's done well, the rock band is a perfect example of a solid, loving bond forged through shared experience. And one of my absolute favorite rock star Romance series is the VIP series by Kristen Callahan. There is just so much emotional depth to these stories about this rock band, all the members and the experiences they go through together. It's experiences in addition to the usual fame, artistic struggles, sex, drug, and rock and roll, etc. When Jax, one of the band members, has a mental health crisis, they're all having the crisis. They show up together and try to figure it out together. Even though he feels isolated in his depression, they consistently remind him that he's loved and not alone. After he becomes friends with his bandmate Killian's pet sitter, She realizes she hasn't seen him for a while and pops next door to check on him. She finds him in his messy, darkened bedroom, obviously not acting like his usual cheerful self. She started to fall for him and becomes an important part of his chosen family. His thumb strokes a slow circle over the backs of our knuckles. My voice is a ghost between us you want to know why I came looking for you? His focus intensifies. Tell me. He's still gently exploring my hand, the smooth skin along the back of it, the sensitive edges of my wrist, and between my knuckles. I feel fragile just then, like he might break me with one harsh touch, or if he lets go, I don't look away. I missed you. His fingers convulse on a squeeze. I missed you too, Button. I just... He shakes his head. Don't know why I didn't respond, honestly. But I think I do. Because when I'm low, I don't want to be the one seeking out company. I want someone to find me. To tell me I'm wanted, needed. And when I don't get that, I sink lower. Maybe John is different in that regard, but somehow I doubt it. I swallow hard. I thought, I had this feeling that the world might be getting a little too dark, too heavy for you right now, that you might have needed a hug. My confession seems to wash over him and he flinches, closing his eyes like he's considering turning away. I want so badly to clasp his hand hard and hold on tight, but I don't. It isn't my decision to make. His eyes are overbright when he opens them and looks at me. The pain in them takes my breath. I do, he rasps. I need. I open my arms to him, shaking. He leans into me, his head resting on the slope of my breast, his arm wrapping low around my waist and tugging me against him. Our legs tangle as we move to get closer. John sighs, his body melding into mine, and I run my hands through his hair, making nonsensical noises under my breath. Fuck, Stella. It hurts, and I don't know how. His body clenches as if he's mentally willing himself to keep it together. I know, honey. I stroke the curve where his neck meets his shoulder, tight muscles feel like steel under the silk of his skin he swallows audibly it comes and goes i'm on top of the world then suddenly i'm not the warmth of his breath gusts over my breast my therapist warned me she said it's an endurance race you endure you keep moving forward but some days stella Some days I get so fucking tired. Then rest, I whisper. Rest with me. Let me be where you lay your head for a while. I spoke with listener Lauren about the VIP series because we both love it so much. And she talks about how Kristen Callahan gets all that emotion and intimacy into her characters and story, making it as if these characters are our found family when we're reading it. Her writing
1: style is just something that sucks people in, Mm -hmm. though there is already
0: that. And for some reason, she's so good at connecting on that emotional level, Mm
2: -hmm. that's not
0: forced. I come at it from different points of views like i see the way she writes she doesn't use a lot of very big words Mm -hmm. she's not peppering everything in like prose Mm -hmm. which is what some authors do which (laughs) i'm cool with but you know it does take away from you know that that kind of intimacy that you feel with the characters Mm. um and i love that she writes about these group of people who are, let's be honest, they're not normal people. They're abnormal because being famous is not
1: a normal thing. But for some reason, they feel very, very relatable.
0: I am so drawn to stories like this. And all sorts of romances featuring all types of found families have helped me see how healthy interactions work, how emotionally healthy people process difficult emotion and solve differences. I had never had that modeled to me as a child. And even when the characters don't get it completely right, you still learn something in the safe environment of fiction. A Certain Appeal is a Pride and Prejudice retelling set in a New York burlesque club named Merriton. Elizabeth is their stage kitten. She's responsible for picking up the bras and shimmy belts and things that have been flung from the stage. And Jane is her best friend and roommate. He performs the late show at the club. When Elizabeth discovers that Charles Bingley, who is romancing Jane, but also working with developers to try to acquire the building that Meryton is in, she worries it might break up the burlesque act, which has become a little family.
3: I figured word was out by now, but I also do think we have a real chance of picking up the property. He crosses his fingers. I cross mine, too. But as Charles shows Ming the bullet holes in the plain nose above us... My thoughts dim. He's all in, clearly, but on the off chance the deal falls apart or the owner decides to pass things off to that nephew, I wonder what will happen. Andrea said the guy would likely stick with the burlesque concept, but what if he didn't? The idea evokes an emptiness I haven't felt in a long time. I'd be able to find a kitten gig with another show, but the dynamic of our group would be hard to maintain, It's not as if we'd be able to up and move to another location. Not everyone has a brother with a bar in Bushwick. Our situation at Meriton is unique. Most burlesque shows are set up like tonight's at a bar with a stage where attendees pay a cover charge or buy tickets, and the producer gives a cut to the venue and the participants. The shows run once or twice a month at most, and performers have to hustle to get enough of these gigs to cover their costuming budget alone, to say nothing of housing and feeding themselves. The steadiness of Meriton is a gift to anyone who manages to land a position there, which is what makes keeping it going so critical. As showtime nears, the room fills with familiar faces, crowding out the barren feeling enough that I smile. There's half a decks worth of burlesquers in the audience. That's something I love about the scene, how supportive performers are of one another. There are occasionally squabbles about who gets to use a certain song, or someone will bite a piece of choreography from another dancer. There's certainly no shortage of drama in our personal lives. But at the end of the day, we show up for one another.
0: I haven't seen the movie Magic Mike since it came out in 2012. I remembered the fun stripping scenes and that it had a really good ensemble cast, but re-watching it, I realized it's basically a movie about found family and how you can outgrow any kind of family. Mike's character arc is about him feeling worthy of his own future and also worthy of a relationship with stripper Adam's sister Brooke. To feel worthy of that, he has to leave his stripper family who are content with their little trajectory that doesn't fit him anymore.
4: I'm going to pay you back every last cent. I want you to know that. All right. Look, man, we're going to look back in 20 years. You're going to be dead, probably, but I can look back in 20 years and look at the shit that, that we've done together, man. Fuck. Look where I was three months ago. Three months ago. Look at where I am now can't thank you enough. Fuck, man. I was nowhere. I have money. I can fuck who I want to fuck. I have freedom, thanks to you. And I'm having a fucking ball. And we're gonna have a fucking ball in Miami, man. So can you smile? And can you look at me? I only have one thing to say. And that is to my best friend. A guy who's given me more in this lifetime than I could ever ask for. And to bright futures.
0: Yeah, I said everything I needed to say.
2: You and... got a lot to say yesterday. You don't have anything else to say you want to add on to that? You damn sure didn't let me talk, so let me talk now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I fucked it up. I didn't mean to do that. All right, I didn't, I didn't want to fuck it up. I promised you that I would take care of him and I didn't, and I'm sorry about that. You're the last person that I...
3: Yeah, I
0: believe you, and I know you're basically a good person. It, Adam was gonna do whatever Adam wanted to do. I just can't be around your lifestyle
2: and- You can't be around my, I'm not my lifestyle. That's do you think that the... That isn't fucking... I'm not... Am I magic... Am I, am I magic mic right now talking to you? I'm not my goddamn job. That's not who I... That's not what I... That's not what I do. That's I mean, it is what I do, but it's not who I am. I'm not just... That's why I want to go to Miami, because I don't want to fucking be some 40-year-old stripper. I want to own something. I want to actually... I've been trying to fucking this whole time try to... So you don't believe anything I'm, I'm, uh, that I've said to you? You don't, it, right now, nothing, I'm just, you don't believe in any of it?
0: Mike, I think the question is, do you believe it? I just think that Miami is gonna be a bigger, badder version of this. But good, good luck to you. If you believe it, good luck to you, and Adam too. But I'm gonna be here. The movie Hustlers has a similar family of erotic dancers who decide that they've had enough with being taken advantage of in the high-end club where they work. They decide to look for more power and agency in their careers. (laughs) So they band together to fleece the very, very rich male clients who get off on belittling them. Their bond is as tight as the best family should be. They have each other's backs, no matter how complicated their lives become. And then you know you got to grind yeah. it up. <laughs> so disgusting. We're going to have to go back. Do we? we have to go back? Oh, baby. Your dancing days are over. Yeah? You guys, I could pay off my grandma's house. Woo! Yeah! And I'm going to get myself a new
3: engagement ring.
2: And dragon's his ass to stay in jail for a few more weeks. For months, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh,
3: yeah! To Gary! To Gary! My real sisters, mm-hmm. I love you. Oh, yeah. I love you, yeah I love you, I love you. I love you. I love
4: you. Oh, I love, you. Yes. I love you. Yes. We are family
0: now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A family with money. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yes, we are.
3: Yeah. Hey. God, thank you for... Everything that you've given us, this delicious food, my new Lubitons, <laughs> and for this family, my sisters, we are so blessed. Amen. 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 You know, Juliet
1: still lets me sleep in her bed, but I just know she's gonna throw me out any day now.
2: I missed you, you know that?
0: I missed you too. Where'd you go, baby?
1: What happened with Johnny?
4: Why didn't you call me? You know that you and Lily can always stay with me and Juju. You know that. No, don't do that. Come on. No, don't do that thing. Don't do that.
0: It's me. Hey. You remember what we were like back then?
1: Remember? (laughs) We were like fucking hurricanes.
0: (laughs) Weren't we? Okay, and one of my favorite examples of family of choice trope is the showbiz or backstage theater musical or movie or book. I was a theater major, and the bonding that happens when you're in rehearsal and developing a show, it's incredible. So any movie set in this world, there are amazing classic film musicals with this trope. The granddaddy of them all is 42nd Street. And then there's the movie Footlight Parade from 1933. It stars Jimmy Cagney as a theater producer and song and dance man who's desperately trying to make money and keep theater performers from losing their jobs during the depression because audience are now flocking to the less expensive talkies at their local movie palace. So he comes up with this idea, live musical preludes to movies. This movie is full of so much drama family bonding, and fun. Hold it,
1: hold it. What's the matter now? This number's as dead as Kelsey's tonsils. Oh, I worry about this and I worry about that. I know you got the kids looking worried too. This is a prosperity unit, some life and some pep. Dance on your pig, don't die on him. Here's a way to attack that finish. Come on, let's go. Dum dum, da, dum 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 You got it? Yeah. All right, then right. do it. I get it, but I got too much on my shoulders. It's all her fault. She gives me absolutely nothing. How can we look prosperity when he's got depression all over that pan of his? Uh, you see, Mr. Kent? See what I'm up against? Oh, I'm afraid if this keeps up, I'll have to resign. <laughs> you and me both, but until we do, keep on working, mm-hmm. will you? Come on, let's do it. All right, now, come on. Give us a pickup there. Come on. Right. no way to get a boy, you know. Uh, now what? We'll have to call off the prosperity unit. Gladstone just put one on. Why, oh, slave day and night worrying about ideas, and Gladstone steals them. He's been doing it for months. All right, girls, let's try it again. No, no, call it off, call it off. Prosperity Unit's out. That's all, girls. You're excused. What's in? A cat number. We'll put it in rehearsal right away. And you're it. Oh, I don't know anything about cats. I never had a cat. I've got one for you. It's up in my office. Yeah, but what'll I do with it? Go up and get him. Make a pal of him and study his movements. Oh, no, listen. I'm an animal trainer, not a dance director. Oh, no. Uh, I'm a dance trainer, not an animal. Oh, you got me so worried I don't know what I am. I got bad news for you, Chester. You can't use the cat idea. Oh, you're going to start telling me what I can use and what I can't well, use. Well, it's my job to see that our prologues fit in with the censor regulations. I'm only doing my duty. Oh, I see. The tom cats and the pussycats are all right, but the kittens are illegitimate. They certainly are. Unless they're married by a preacher cat. No preacher cat, no kittens. No, you can't use it in 39 cities. Uh-huh. Well, I've got some bad news for you. You're fired. Oh, you can't fire me. Mrs. Gould's my sister. I wouldn't care if she's your Aunt Minnie, Get out of here and stay out. Yeah, we'll
0: I on. can't say how healing and reassuring it is for me to read or watch stories with the family of choice trope. It's like a little hole in my heart gets filled every time. A special thanks to my friend and listener, Liz, who's been here from the start and is the best chosen family I could have ever found. Love you, Liz. And thanks to you, dear listeners, my romance family. I appreciate every one of you. Thanks for being there. If you enjoy this podcast, share this episode from your podcast app or tell a romance-loving friend about it let's grow our little family. You can find me on Twitter at Poppy And you can find show notes with links to what I've been babbling about at confessions of a dot com. Until next time wishing you a family of choice full of love and support. You deserve it.